And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the fruited plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. I'm Frank Felker. I'm very excited to introduce my next guest, Scott Parody of Success 101 Workshops. Scott's taking a very different approach to personal development by training individuals how to succeed spectacularly at their workplace. Scott's clients are companies and organizations who want to help their employees maximize their effectiveness, not only in work, but in every aspect of their lives. So he brings his Success 101 workshop into their workplace, and he works his magic to have a transformative impact, not just on the employees, but on the entire organization. Scott's a retired Army colonel and a former National Security Fellow with the John F. Kennedy School of Government at Harvard University and a Congressional Fellow with the United States Senate. Scott, that's a very impressive resume. Welcome to Radio Free Enterprise. Well, thanks, Frank. I appreciate you having me. I am very glad to have you here because, as you and I had talked about uh, for a couple of minutes before the show, I have something I call the M-Cube, Six Sides to uh, Startup Success. And I, I don't need to go through all that, but one of those M's, a very important M, is management. Trying to maximize the effectiveness, the productivity, and even the happiness of the people in your organization. And as I'm sure you're aware with all your experience uh, in the military and everything else that you've done, uh, the X and Y uh, styles of management, which, you know, X style being the beatings will continue until morale improves, and uh, the Y style being a little more enlightened and a, and a little bit more like, hey, what can I do to help you succeed today? So yeah. I think what you're doing is just fantastic, and I, I look forward to um, hearing more about it. So let's start out by having you tell us a little bit about specifically what kinds of organizations you're able to help and, and what it is that you do for them. What I'm looking to do is help organizations that are progressive and innovative they're leading-edge companies, small, medium, and large, looking to improve both their productivity and ultimately become more effective and efficient and profitable if it's a for-profit organization by helping their people succeed. Because we're all, we're all in the people business, and we're all about helping people. I mean, that's the reason for business, the purpose for business being, and that's why we have built organizations. It's to help people get what they want and need, and an organization, organization does that effectively by helping their employees then perform the service that satisfies wants and needs. So I'm helping people get better, feel better, and ultimately become more effective employees. That's funny because, you know, when you think about it, that's really what everything in life boils down to is trying to generate a good feeling, uh, you know, within yourself or within someone else or or within the people who work for you, or your customers, or your prospects, or your podcast listeners, or whoever it is. And uh, I would say it's an understatement to say you've gotten right down to the crux of the biscuit there. Yeah. You know, I, I tell people, I ask people, are you in the people business, and people in manufacturing <laughs> or in computer science and things, they tend to think I'm not in the people business. But we're all in the people business. And if you make a finer point of it, we're all in the feelings business, and then if you really get down to it, as you said, we're all in the feelings conversion business. We all want to change how we feel, and that's what business is all about, and that's what we're talking about this morning. That is fantastic. I could not agree with you more. 
Well, let me ask you, how did you uh, originally get into the feelings business? It seems uh, a little bit of a, a jump uh, from Army Colonel and, uh, you know, at the Kennedy School at Harvard and so forth. Uh, how did you make this transition? Well, it's interesting that you asked that question. When I originally joined the Army, and that was in 1980, I didn't think I was going to be in for very long. So I thought, i gotta, I got to go where the action is. So I ended up in the infantry, figuring I'd be in for just a few years. <laughs> <laughs> but the heart of the Army is the infantry, so I joined the infantry. So after 30 years with the Army, I was looking at, okay, what's next? Where can I make a contribution? Where can I do something, add, add value in some way? And I thought, well, what about staying focused on success principles, the fundamentals of success? So when I left the Army, that's the, the, where I turned my focus, my energy, and my effort. Now, to further refine that, rather than look at the principles of success, which I think most people are interested in, but I focused further on what I call the golden triangle. And the golden triangle is health, wealth, and relationships. That's what most people are interested in, how to improve their health, how to become wealthier, or how to improve their relationships. And so the program that I'm focused on right now the high-performance health and fitness habits is right in that health, in that in our in that golden triangle. That's great. That's interesting. I, it's kind of hard to see what would be outside of that triangle that would truly be of deep value and meaning to somebody in their lives. Yes. Yeah. Well, let me ask you then. That you know seems so clear, seems so obvious, Scott. Why you know why isn't everybody doing that? What's the biggest thing that's keeping each of us? from succeeding spectacularly in those three areas of our lives? You know, I think for the most part, and this is, this is something that I focus on in my program, we have what I call core beliefs. And these are our feelings about the world. Is it a safe place or is it a dangerous place? Then our feelings about ourselves. Are we competent and capable or are we incompetent and lacking in some way? And then the final thing is do we have a purpose, a reason for being? So our core beliefs set a path for us. That is our foundation for which direction we move in. But what we do on top of that, each of us comes with what I call an energy conservation device. Our energy conservation device is our habits mechanism. And our habits mechanism is our shortcut to getting things done, our shortcut to achieving a feeling, to, to reaching a feeling of satisfaction. So we build these habits on top of our core beliefs. So our core beliefs set us in a direction and then we build habits, and these habits just keep us moving forward. Well, the real challenge is if we're not moving in the right direction, then we set ourselves up for consistent frustration and failure. And if we're moving in the right direction, these are the people that you see succeeding spectacularly. You say, what the heck are they doing? Well, what they've done is they've built habits that just continue to propel them forward in the right direction. So that's what I try to get at is get people, one, to focus in the right direction and then to build habits so that they keep moving forward consistently. Okay. How do you do that? How do you get people to either discard or change their habits or stop taking shortcuts and start, uh, for that matter, even changing their core beliefs about their place in the universe and, uh, and get themselves turned around and going in the correct direction? That sounds like a pretty big uh, bill to fill there. It is. And that's, and that's really the million-dollar question because one is it all starts with motivation. Are you motivated to change, do something different? If the answer to that question is yes, then you've got to be willing to make a change somewhere. And the idea with this habits program is that we start uh, – let me back up for a second and say 
typically people say, show me and I'll believe it. I've got to see it and I'll believe it. And in fact, it works the other way around. What you believe will then begin to appear in your reality. And so what I start with is let's just change some mindset a little bit in a little area with a simple habit, something that you can identify as a habit that might be a problem. And what we want to do is change that habit. And what we'll do is we'll specifically think about what can we change for the action component of that habit, substitute something else. And so if someone does substitute something for that habit and sees that, hey, I got a different result, a satisfying result, but it was something different. And then if they start building on that habit and they see small changes in their lives, and over time those small changes start to add up. And then pretty soon they start to orient in life in a little bit different direction. And it starts to change those core beliefs. Because as you know, Frank, core beliefs, they're built up over a lifetime. We were influenced from our, our earliest days with the people around us and the situations we find ourselves in. So they're not easy things to change. But if we take little steps, step by step, habit by habit, then we start to see new results and we believe we start to grasp hold of a new reality and, in fact, create a new reality for ourselves. So it's all incremental, but it starts with a motivation to change. That's great stuff, Scott. I was reminded as you were speaking of something very profound I heard once and has always stuck with me that if you really want to affect change, it's better to live your way into a new way of thinking than rather try rather than trying to think your way into a new way of living. Yes. And yes. this is in align this is in alignment with what you're saying about making changes to small changes. So if you would give us an example, you know, you talked about a, a simple habit or a problem changing the action component, substituting it with something else and then doing it again and again and building on that. Can you give us one example of a substitution that you uh, recommended here's a, people. Here's a real simple example. In, in the program that I'm focused on right now, the High Performance Health and Fitness Habits program, I talk, there's a nutrition component to it. And one of the easiest things when you talk about the habit cycle is to talk about everyone has hunger pangs and, and something everyone can identify with. When you get hungry, something's going to happen. Now, you can get hungry for a lot of reasons. One is that your, your energy in your body, your blood sugar starts to get low. But there are other reasons that we feel this idea or this this uh, emotion, this sense that we have to we have to eat, and some of it's time. Sometimes it's stress. Sometimes it's a social situation. Uh, sometimes it's just boredom. But in e in any of those cases, you have a you have this trigger, and this trigger is that I'm feeling hungry. And oftentimes we get in this habit, and the habit might be I'm going to grab a soda. So I have a soda habit. So my my trigger is that I'm feeling hungry for whatever reason. My action sequence is I go to the cupboard or the refrigerator and I pull out a soda and then I drink that soda and I get this feeling of satisfaction. Well, soda's not good for us. It has no nutritional value in soda. So what I want to do is I want to change that. So we're still going to have the same triggers that I'm going to be hungry and I'm still looking for that feeling of satisfaction, but I'm going to deliberately, and it's, it, it has to be deliberate at the beginning, deliberately substitute something else. So I'm going to substitute as an example, a fruit, an apple or an orange or a banana in place of that soda. And so I deliberately do that initially. It takes some thought. It takes some effort. But over time, over a period of days, you start replacing that soda habit with some fresh fruit, as an example. And then I've moved in a positive direction, and I begin to see a new result. So that's just one simple example for how we might change a relatively simple habit, but 
over the long term, it's a destructive habit. And so do you recommend that people start with just one of those habits at a time rather than because, you know, human nature is, all right, I'm going to make a wholesale change in my entire life. And, you know, I'm going to have a piece of fruit instead of a Diet Coke and I'm going to, you know, eat a celery instead of smoke a cigarette. I'm going to do all of this today. Yeah, you know, that's that's the challenge. And that's much why the reason why many of us fail at our New Year's resolutions, because we start the new year and we we overpromise and end up under-delivering to ourselves. So it's, it's easier to approach this process one habit at a time, one step at a time. And then as you see new results, ultimately you're going to feel different. And as you feel different, then you're trying to get, you're trying to really create a snowball effect for yourself in a positive direction. Rather than, as you said, trying to get the whole thing in one bite and I'm going to change my life and switch it all. The average person, when you think about in this health and fitness arena and you think about nutrition, diet, we, all, we talk about people going on diet. The average diet, the person lasts a couple of weeks. And it's because they have this grand ambition, but they're fighting against all of these habit processes that they've established for themselves over, in many cases, years. So it's easier, even though it doesn't seem like it's going to be very ambitious, I'm just doing this one little thing, but this one little thing done consistently will produce better, more lasting results than trying to do it all at one time. That's great. That is really great stuff. Well, let's say that uh, somebody, an HR person or a decision maker at a company or a a nonprofit or a government uh, organization is listening to you today, and they're thinking, okay, Scott's got the right message, and uh, I'm ready to make these changes. Uh, we are ready to create an environment that will be empowering and our employees can succeed spectacularly within it. What are, not necessarily with you, Scott, but what would be the next steps that an organization that's made a decision of this kind should make? One of the things, and I think there are simple things that can be done within the organization, that if you think about how do we manage our organization, are we promoting healthy habits in the workplace as an example and things like what if if it's an organization that has access to foods and snacks and those kinds of things are are we looking in a health healthy direction but if you're looking for an outside program or a pro a wellness program and you see that even in the affordable care act there's a focus on what can we do as an organization to help the employees become healthy and fit and the reason that corporations, companies, organizations doing that is if you look across America, two-thirds of Americans are either overweight or obese. Diabetes is approaching epidemic proportions and is continuing to grow. And all of this declining health and wellness is impacting productivity and profitability in in organizations. Health-related costs are up. Our health insurance is going up. Time lost to health-related issues is increasing. All of these things, a progressive company has to realize and say, what can I do to make things better? And one of those is to focus some effort, some time, energy, and effort on creating a healthy environment for employees, but then educating and helping employees so that they can be on the road to health and wellness. That's great. That's really great stuff, Scott. And I can see... Uh, you know, I don't have any employees in my organization right now, but I have in the past. And, you know, it, could, it can really tremendously impact 
that uh, individual person's productivity uh, every day, what level of health and, and uh, happiness they're experiencing. And when somebody is feeling unhealthy or, unhealthy or uh, low energy or they're unhappy, it can impact uh, their coworkers as well. And it can, uh, this same snowball can roll either way. That's and, right. Uh, That's right. You know, Absolutely. So, Making those small changes uh, can have a tremendous impact. So if, the, if that HR person decided that uh, they're ready to make those changes and they wanted to reach out to you, Scott, what is the best way for them to engage with you and learn more about how you could help them? Well, the, the most direct way would be to contact me directly, and that would be contacting me at Scott Parity at 703-772-3521. If you're in the Northern Virginia and Washington, D.C. area, I can do a, a short program, a primer for 35, 40 minutes at your organization, or you can contact me and we can set up, I can send you information about how the, this program works and, and where we can go from there. I'm also on the web. We have success101workshop.com, and the information is there on how to reach me and to take a look at the program as well. So I'm more than welcome to discuss any of the any of the information that help people move in the right direction. Let me make sure I've got that right. Your phone number is 703-772-3521. That's correct. And website is success101workshop.com. Correct. And 101 is numeral one, numeral zero, numeral one. Uh, yeah. What about uh, email if they wanted to email you, Scott? Sure. The, the best way to get in touch with me is Scott, S-C-O-T-T, at c-achieve, the letter c, dash, and then the word achieve.com. Scott at c-achieve.com. I have to ask, where does that c-achieve come from? The publishing arm of my organization is called Cornerstone Achievements. So the C is for Cornerstone, and Achieve is short for Achievements because Cornerstone Achievements in the, in the tail is awfully <laughs> that long. That would make quite an email address. Yes, but the, uh, I also see it as C, the C, Achieve, see it, and then Achieve it. So that's how that all works. That's great. All right, one last time, it's 703-772-3521, or his website is success101workshop.com. Or you can email him, scott at c-achieve.com. Scott, I really appreciate you spending time with us today on Radio Free Enterprise. Well, thanks very much, Frank. It's been my pleasure. That's it for this episode of Radio Free Enterprise. For the rest of you cats and kittens, I'll see you next time on the radio. You can't seem to turn a profit? Is that what's eating you, Sparky? Well, you've come to the right place. Radio Free Enterprise.